Hi everyone, I'm Andy. And I'm Allie. And welcome back for another week of your favorite book club and media podcast, Marianne and Wanda. <laughs> Indeed, we're back again. Today I gotta tell you, I have the uh, the sickness. So oh, no. yesterday I went to go get, it's not the real sickness, I went to go get my COVID and my flu vaccine yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, last night I had like the shivers and the shakes all night long. Um <laughs> That's just, awful. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like sometimes it's a lot worse to even try to get out from under the blanket when you like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought about trying to find more to put on top of me, but I was like, I think that I'd rather just try to wait it out a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've just uh, been a little bit under the weather today. But hmm. What can you do? So is there an, is there another COVID booster out? Yes, there is an updated COVID vaccine um, for like some later strains uh, that you should all get. Everyone should go get vaccinated. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about a new booster out. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Andy. There's a new booster out. Okay, well, news to me. <laughs> well, go get it. I'll consider it. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with flu season right now. Oh, my gosh. So Rosie got sent home from daycare the other day because she had a cough well you know that I've had a cough for like probably two months at this point and Mm. it's just kind of been lingering but they were like hey you need to come pick her up because we're in the middle of flu season blah 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 she can't come back to school until she has a doctor's note saying that she's she's good Mm -hmm. so I called her doctor that afternoon and was like hey can you get me in for a sick kid appointment and they were like, no, we're all booked. And I said, okay, well, can I make one, an appointment for first thing in the morning? No, we don't do that. So I was like, all right, well. <laughs> so we went to the Kroger walk-in clinic. Um, and let me tell you what, that was not a pleasant experience. That doctor oh, yeah. was no help at all. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Basically, she wrote a note that just said, Rosie's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, so. I hope Rosie's actually fine. Yeah, I think she is, but yeah, everybody's kind of got a, a little tickle in their throat with the changing of the seasons and flu, flu going mm-hmm. around and all that. Well, I hope uh, you get feeling better. Yeah, I mean, other than that, it's a, a wild ride. My friend Henry's back for like a couple months, but my friend Will is about to leave this weekend to never come back. So, mm. big, uh, lots of changing events on the island. Mm-hmm. All right, well, do you want to jump into our topic for today? Yes. Uh, so we are talking about my octopus teacher, which I think like anytime I talk to someone about what I do as like a marine scientist, they always ask about stuff like this. Like if I've seen, um, what was that? What was that? Like Blackfin or Blackfish or something? Oh, you remember no, that, that was... documentary that came out? Mm-mm. And then there's, like, this one where everyone's like, well, I mean, if you like the ocean, you're going to love watching my octopus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is a Netflix special documentary, or I guess it was um, distributed on Netflix. Mm -hmm. But it came out during COVID, so I think that's why a lot of people know it. And it probably got recommended as a new release, and people watched it because they were all at home. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it was released, I think it was September of 2020. Mm -hmm. And it won a lot more awards than I was expecting. 
when I looked it up, it won 19 different awards and it won the Academy Award for 2021 Best Documentary Feature, which I was not expecting. I wonder what it was up against. Hang on. Oh, I looked it up. There was like four or five other nominations, I think. But I don't, I don't know that I recognized any of the titles. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it won. That's the only award that I really recognized the name of was the Academy Award. So that's, and that's a pretty big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't recognize any of these other names. Mm-hmm. Which, like, doesn't really mean much, I guess. I don't watch a ton of documentaries. Yeah. And so it was narrated and starred Craig... Sorry, narrated by and starred Craig Foster, who is the main guy who's swimming with the octopus most of the time. Um, and then mm-hmm. his son is in it, too, for brief moments. But mm-hmm. I think it was probably written out by him but then it was directed um by james reed and pippa ehrlich i think would be how you say her name Mm -hmm. and then you made a note of the science advisor what does the science advisor do well i mean anytime you have like a a documentary like this and the people who are making it aren't scientists they usually get someone who is a scientist Mm -hmm. to come in um and just to uh like make sure that everything is more or less scientifically sound, which I guess is what she did. Okay. Um, Yeah, that was Dr. Jennifer Mather from the University of Lethbridge, which is in Canada. And I just thought it was interesting that this wasn't listed on the Wikipedia page for this movie, but I watched real science video on YouTube um, just about octopuses today, because I was like, might as well learn some more facts. And it actually mentioned that she would fe- she was on that video, and it like mentioned like she was the science advisor and my octopus teacher. And I was like, wow, huh. good for her. I wondered why there would be a science advisor, but that makes sense because I didn't realize that Craig Foster was not um, a science advisor himself, I guess, or didn't have a background in that. But that makes sense okay. that they would need somebody to, like you said make sure all the facts are straight yeah um and just so we know it was written and directed by elrich and reed earl lich and reed so craig foster didn't actually write it i bet he had a hand in it but it seems like he didn't actually write it yeah i was gonna say Um, he must have had a very strong influence of how it was written since he's the first-hand experience yeah um but it says in the documentary it starts off with him like being a documentary filmmaker and then being in the desert filming in um i want to say it was in africa mm-hmm. which i recognize as a giant con- continent but um and like he was so upset about like i don't like being so far away from the kelp forest that he had to go back so he like definitely didn't have much of a, a definite like formal education but he did say that he grew up in like the Pacific Northwest among the kelp forests and whatnot, which is like, I'm always jealous whenever people say stuff like that. <laughs> They're so pretty. <laughs> I say that because we grew up in Middle Tennessee where there is not really much water at all, except for yeah, old, I mean, we have some lakes. <laughs> a couple old lakes, a couple rivers. So gross, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair fair assessment, but... Yeah. <laughs> and I will say a lot of the footage that was in here was absolutely stunning. Yes, I agree. So many clear images. Like, I guess I've never really seen an underwater camera in person, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine one taking that clear of pictures and videos. Well, I mean, the, yeah, we got high tech now for this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing I can afford, so I'll never get to use it. 
No, our only point of reference is the disposable underwater cameras. Did you ever have one of those? Oh, absolutely. I had several. I actually have one in here from a really long time ago that I've been meaning to get developed. Yeah, I kind of, I vaguely remember you having one and us taking pictures under the, in the pool. pool. Yeah, but that's yeah. It. I just thought about that. It's just a regular disposable camera in like a hard plastic case. Yeah. <laughs> True innovation. Yeah. So when I was looking up some background about this documentary, this movie has like 6,000 Google reviews and like the majority of them are five stars, which we'll get into in a little bit, but that was not what I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my opinion is clearly different. We'll get into it, but I was very surprised to see how many reviews were five stars and a lot of them mentioning amazing to see the relationship between an animal and a human and like I'm in awe of the work that you've done and all of that but it was just it threw me off a little bit with how many of those five-star reviews there were that does not surprise me people love like a very beautiful nature documentary and then the mm-hmm. fact that it's about this creature that's clearly got near human intelligence um, enough to like interact with a human and kind of know what's going on like mm-hmm. people love that stuff so that does not surprise me at all yeah so it also mentioned that an octopus most of the time stays by itself like it doesn't travel in a pack or anything and oh, yeah. rosie has a book from the dolly parton foundation imagination library that's called solitary animals and the octopus is one of the animals that features as um like living alone and you know not traveling with a group and that type of thing yeah the octopus is a solitary animal (laughs) (laughs) dolly is very right in this situation they really only interact when they mate unless of course they're like fighting for territory or trying to eat each other but um, (laughs) but for the most part you know it's it's very yeah not not a lot of uh docile if you will interactions between them and other octopuses (laughs) it's a dog eat dog world (laughs) it really is an octopus eat octopus world yeah So there was some facts or like scientific research I felt like throughout the movie, but I did feel like it was kind of lacking. Some of the Mm -hmm. things that I learned about an octopus that I didn't know before was that their lifespan is generally only one year. I didn't realize that. Or is that only the specific species that he was interacting with? I think that's most octopus species. Um, (laughs) I want to say... The giant Pacific octopus, um, I looked this up the other day for a very unrelated reason, um, but I, their lifespan was like five years max or something like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, they don't live very long, which is kind of why it's sad when people have them in their aquariums. Is you like It's a very intelligent creature that you're keeping for such a short amount of time, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I kind of laughed a little bit when at the end of the documentary, he said, yeah, they live fast and die young. <laughs> <laughs> same (laughs) but yeah that was one of the things I did learn from it was that they have roughly a one-year lifespan and it sounded like they they must reach the age of maturity to reproduce like nearly at the end of that one year Mm -hmm. like after they lay their eggs they pretty much wither away at that point (laughs) well I mean Andy don't say that they starve themselves they give the ultimate sacrifice to make sure that their eggs are protected and aerated. Okay, okay. That is where 
the male octopus ought to step up and bring the female <laughs> octopus some food or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's make them non-solitary creatures, but then they'll live longer. Yeah. And then the couple other things that I did learn, um, I, I think it was this octopus species in particular, how small it seemed. Like, I mm. always imagine, and maybe it was that other species you mentioned, I I always imagine an octopus to be, like, gigantic, like, bigger mm. than me, or at least when it has its arms stretched out to be, like, longer than me, and something that could, like, wrap you up and squeeze the life out of you very easily. Do you have a lot of nightmares about the kraken when we were younger? The what? The kraken. That's actually a squid, though, I think. Oh, no, I don't know anything about that. You don't know anything about the kraken? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the most part, there's teeny tiny. I mean, they, they, they have a big span. So, like, the giant Pacific yeah. octopus is the biggest one. But I think they've got, like, easily got to be, like, 8 to 10 feet long, tip to tip of their arms or their mm-hmm. tentacles, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then have you seen, like, all of the teeny tiny little octopus? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I always just assumed that those were not full grown. Yeah. But yeah, like the the pictures and video clips of him holding that octopus like close to his chest, it I just that put into perspective how small it really was. Yeah. And then uh, also didn't realize that it can change colors. You didn't No, you knew that, surely. I don't know that I did. Like, I mean, it makes sense cuz they can camouflage in with their surroundings for protection, but I don't know that I realized that. So when you used to think about an octopus, what color was it? Pink. <laughs> all right interesting hot take yeah either pink or like orange because that's usually what they are in cartoons all right that's fair yeah like the one in finding nemo isn't he orange or not finding nemo the the finding Finding dory yeah that one isn't he's probably orange yeah so i mean come on why are these animators not being real because they're foolish because you know how cool (laughs) it is to be able to do what they can do well and like the in finding nemo the little octopus who inks everywhere is pink yeah that's fair yeah i think that's like a pygmy octopus though i don't there's some that are andy but there's some that can do yeah this really incredible camouflage yeah we love to see it yeah i just had never seen like a video clip of that actually transitioning i i'll send you a video but there's also a video of an octopus that's like sleeping in the tank of an aquarium of some sort and for the most part, its mantle is, like, completely white, but it's, like, changing colors. Um, and that's, like, why some people think that octopus can dream is because, like, sometimes they've been seen when they're clearly sleeping to be, like, changing colors on their skin with, like, out a clear impetus to do so, you know? Hmm. Okay. But the arm thing, that was also crazy. Yeah, I I knew that, like, lizards can grow their tails back, but I didn't know there was any other animal that could do that yeah like a starfish can do it too i mean lots of there's a lot of stuff like this i forgot about starfish yeah but just knowing that like the shark ate its arm off or one of its tentacles off and then it grew back a little baby Mm -hmm. one is kind of cute but also kind of (laughs) sad yeah my favorite little bit from this what i learned was the way the octopus when it had that the second fight with the pajama sharks and it like picked up all of those shells and just like made a case around itself yeah that was really neat like i've known that they would carry around like coconut shells and whatnot to like stay inside of it but to pick up a whole bunch of them and make like armor just all of a sudden as the shark is attacking that was incredible that 
that's incredible intelligence right there. Yeah, that was very cool. Like a almost like a fight or flight mode, but yeah, that defense mechanism that it is able to use. And I didn't even think about like it being able to pick up all these different shells because it has all these suckers. Didn't it say mm-hmm. it has like a thousand suckers? I think it's 250 per arm. So whatever 250 times eight is. Yeah, 2000. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but I never really even thought about that possibility that it could pick up a whole bunch of shells and like create a shield. Pretty neat. Very cool. Very cool footage. But one of the things I didn't like about that and one of the critiques I think we both have, like in that shark fight, he was so close and filming so close to these animals who were interacting. And altogether, like all of his personification of this octopus and like trying to interfere with its life was, I think, a little bit too much for me. Yeah, me as well. The whole time when I was watching it, it it was a little off-putting for me because his motive for interacting so closely and so intently with this octopus was not for scientific research, but more just for like, I want to take pictures or I want to take videos and I want to be my pet, which Mm. I think ethically is not, I don't know. I don't agree with that. So to, I mean, it's a wild animal. And if you are, putting yourself in that animal's way you're hurting its chances of survival i mean if this octopus is able to trust him this giant predator like why would it then not do the same thing with the shark or something else that could eat it yeah and i think his justification was that the octopus is smart and has like great instincts and so like it knew him and recognized him but yeah i think I, yeah, I don't think it's great in the end for the wild animal overall. Yeah, I mean, I think if they were, like, doing some intense study on that particular species or whatever to, you know, that had some kind of result of maybe helping with its extinction extinction rate or whatever, that type of thing, that's justifiable. But, yeah, I didn't think him just, like, taking a camera around, taking pictures and holding it. And it seemed even to, like, this this main guy had such a deep obsession that almost felt like he was in a relationship with an animal. It just was a weird thing. Definitely personified this animal a lot and like definitely projected a lot of himself onto it. Yeah. Like when he was, when the octopus lost her arm and he, he said quote or near quote, like what happened to her happened to me in some strange way. And it was like, my dude, no (laughs) octopus. I'm not saying you can't have empathy for this animal, but like you're you're yeah projecting a little bit too much. I think I I thought that he made a lot of assumptions about the octopus. Like he said, like she has no mother, she has no father, and like I wonder if the octopus had never laid eggs, if he would have called her a she the whole time. Like, is there a way to tell male versus female on an octopus from his range or from his distance from? from the animal i mean i guess he was holding it at several points but i don't know how easy that is to tell but i wondered if he just was calling it a her or a she the whole time because he felt like a romantic attraction to it no um you you can definitely gender an octopus or sex an octopus but you like you have to touch you have to get a good look at all of its arms there's a different 
the males have a different arm that doesn't have as many suckers on it because it's specially built to mate. And so, oh. like, if you get a good enough look at it, yes, you can tell yeah. the difference. But I gotcha. Uh, I think I missed that part. Yeah, I just wondered if he, like, for sure knew it was a female before it was laying eggs or if he just assumed, like, oh, she's so gentle or it's a gentle animal. It must be a female. Like, you know, putting those kind of characteristics on what he thought. Well, I don't know. We'd we'd have to ask him on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I felt like he was too overly attached and too obsessed that I was like, this is not a healthy thing for him to be doing anymore. I just had the thought multiple times about his son and I was like, this guy's going out here every day and maybe he's going out and not spending hours out there, but it definitely seemed like he was. <laughs> it seemed like um, from the outside. And so like when his son started to join him, I was like, I don't blame him. He's going to go hang out with his dad in this really cool place. Uh, yeah, I just it felt like he should be a little bit more on land, but I understand a lot like as much as I criticize this man, I think if I had an octopus that kind of befriended me this way, I'd find it really hard not to interact with it. I mean, yeah, maybe uh, once or maybe like from a distance. I'd Once from a distance for sure. I actually have seen an octopus in the wild before. Oh, cool. Uh, when I was in France for that summer school that I did mm-hmm. at the start of grad school, um, I, I just like happened to be out in the Mediterranean and some other person called me over and they were like, look down there there's an octopus and I was like oh that's really cool yeah um, but you're right I like mostly just looked at it from a distance and I think I swam down a little bit to get a closer look but I would never have tried to pet that thing a lot of times in America there's this idea that a lot of people get that's like oh I'm gonna domesticate this raccoon or this tiger cub or you know stuff that doesn't need to be domesticated and like mm-hmm. if you do that if you interfere with a wild animal like that you're just gonna set it up to fail and like he even said at one point when the sharks were coming around like what if it was me that attracted these sharks here because he obviously has a scent and how were the sharks not going after him that was he's too big for those sharks yeah i mean i assumed they were kind of smaller and maybe they don't have the really big ones in that area that he was in and he wasn't worried about it but he even questions like what if it was me my scent that lured that lured these sharks in and now she is at risk of being eaten or hurt because of me it's like well yeah like why would you even risk that if you really feel that strongly towards the animal like for the animal's well-being like back up give it some space (laughs) yeah yeah I did notice several times that I felt like the maybe it was just like the camera was zoomed in a lot, but it seemed like he was like way too close to a lot of the different animals uh, pretty much the whole time. And yeah, again, like I think it's easy for us to do that like in the ocean and I guess on Earth, but I don't know. You wouldn't like get as close to a puma as you do to a shark, you know, like a big old shark. So. Yeah. Ah, who's to say? Yeah, I have a lot of concerns about that, but I will say very beautiful shots. Um, just oh, yeah. a little concerned about this one guy. <laughs> yeah, one other thing that I I mentioned Finding Nemo already, but I think he sensationalized the octopus to the point where I know it was similar with Finding Nemo that when that movie came out, the clownfish was so like, oh, it's a cute little fish. I'm going to get one for my kid. And, like, the the rate of clownfish that were sold in pet stores just, like, astronomically skyrocketed. 
and they were always like sold with bowls that were too small or like you know people didn't provide them with what they needed to thrive and like I feel like this could have the same effect where people are like oh I'm gonna get a little baby octopus and keep it in a tank or something like that which is well, kind I mean, of cool. people already do that yeah, but a movie like this, I'm not saying this movie is going to be as big as Finding Nemo, but movies that do this, I think, don't help the situation. Yeah, for sure not. But I don't want to, I guess I don't want to be too harsh on this guy. I uh, don't know. I didn't really agree with any anything he was doing. That's I mean, fair. Cool pictures, but like, take your picture. You don't have to go for 360 something days to to get all this footage like you could have gone a couple times and gotten some nice pictures and not had a long-lasting effect on these animals lives Mm-hmm. so goes can't stop it now hopefully he's not doing this anymore but i highly doubt that yeah um, he founded that foundation of like free divers and whatever so now that just means he's bringing more people out there to do the same thing that he's doing yeah yeah maybe a little bit less interactions yeah I wonder, um, like he, like we said, he was underwater for a long time, it seemed like. I wonder how long he can hold his breath. I mean, people can hold their breath for, like, a few minutes. That's and wild. there is, like, special training that you can do to, like, make your lungs, exp- like, train your lungs to expand more and to just draw in more air. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely, like, it's, it's a skill and, like, a, a little bit of a... What am I trying to say? Like, you can be naturally good at it, but it's also a skill that you can... Um, yeah, you can develop. ...attain over time. Yeah. It's insane what some of these free divers will do. Like, there's some free divers who will go down 50 meters in the water and then just come back up, like, holding their breath the entire time. And the record's, like, 130 meters or something like that, which is insane. Yeah. For him to be doing that for several minutes underwater and not have a wetsuit, I'm assuming most people would wear a wetsuit because the water's cold. Yeah. To do it in freezing water and then to also be underwater for several minutes at a time, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I would not have the stamina for that. No. Yeah. I talked to him <laughs> on that one, I guess. I would not. He said yeah. he like his body got trained to the cold. And I was like, I don't think that that's fully uh how it works but (laughs) who's to say (laughs) who's to say i don't know that's about all of my key points i had from the movie do you have any other things you want to discuss no out of um eight can we do it out of eight octopus arms just because there's eight of them yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) out of eight octopus arms how many do you rate this to be honest, I was not <laughs> not not giving this one a five-star review like a lot of the Google reviews. I don't know. I'll say that it did have some really pretty action shots, and I learned a little bit. But overall, I don't agree with his motive and intention for making the film. Mm-hmm. Nor do I agree with his constant interaction and hurting the chances of survival for the octopus. Given all of that, I'm gonna give it two out of eight. Oct- yeah, that's oct- fair. <laughs> I probably yeah, I'd give it probably the same. They get like a point for the beauty of it and a point because I do really love octopuses. Yeah, um, but uh, otherwise, many points subtracted. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it could have been done more educationally, but it pretty much just seemed like this guy was like, "I want to make a movie." And I want to film all this, you know, really close-up interaction with an octopus. But it didn't really seem to have 
much more of a reason besides him just being like, I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was about the relationship. I don't think it was supposed to be uh, educational, really. I think it was yeah. mainly supposed to be focused on what this guy developed over time. Yeah. Which it was. So I guess hats off to him on completing that task. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to recommend this one, though, to an outside listener. <laughs> But I mean, I guess if you are like me, like I, I work from home a lot and I don't have anybody to talk to. So I a lot of times put something on in the background. This would be something good to have on in the background that I'm not like intently watching. So if you need something sure. to pass the time, maybe put it on. Okay, what else do we have coming up this month? So our book is A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. And I started it. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. It's I think the audiobook is like 10 or 11 hours long and I just hit the three hour mark and mm-hmm. I like it. The audiobook, the reader is pretty decent though. So, yeah. I'm reading, I'm doing the audio version. So we'll see. Do you have the text or are you going to do the audiobook? I'll probably do the audiobook. Okay. I should start that tomorrow. Yeah. It's, is that next week? Yeah, that's next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I need to, I need to get going on it some more too, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good so far. All right. Well, I'm excited then. Yeah. And then what's the short story? Oh, our um, short story series, uh, if you will, is what Southern Lady Code essays. Um, And I still haven't chosen the first one, but I'm still very excited to read this by Helen Ellis. That's okay. We still got some time. Well, I'm very excited for this. Me too. Ta-ta, I guess. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda podcast on Instagram or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.